You're listening to the PWB podcast. This goes, I think that the whole premise of this conversation is trying to, um, to get into the industry at the speed of change. And although we think the speed of change is very, very slow, sometimes it spurts forward really quickly when more women, when more ethnicities get to the table, because it's not always the fault of those who were at the table first. It just didn't occur to them to take on a different uh, diversity of thought or perspective. So that's where these conversations are pretty important, I think, moving forward. Now, there's something that I'd like each of you as panelists to consider. Just a, a, a one-liner, if you can, what does an inclusive culture look like? So let me start with you, Precious. There's a, a quote that I really like. Um, diversity is being invited to the dance and inclusion is actually being invited to dance. And those are two different things. So an inclusive culture to me means, you know, not only just having minorities and women that work for your company, but to be able to engage them in a way where they feel like they are, are a part of the team. Thank you, Sam. Do you have something to add to that? I would say leadership that inspires performance and doesn't demand it uh, too often. I mean, we, we feel as white men, like we need to have all the answers. So it's hard for us to be quiet and listen. And, and uh, so that's, that's important. Yeah, well, when I have control of the mute button, I guess you're, um, that can be changed a little bit. Grace, how about you? Do you have a one-liner for that? What does a, an inclusive culture look like for you from your perspective? I think uh, I was going to piggyback off Precious's because I was going to use that earlier and it came from a um, diversity advocate by, uh, Ver by the name of Verna Myers um, about being, you know, invited to the dance and then actually dancing. So I think it's going to look like the community that you're in is uh, going to be most important to the success of uh, diversity and inclusion. So if you grew up in a all white area, then it'll be all white. But if you grew up in a multicultural area, it'll be all multicultural. You know, it's like wherever you go and in the, in the construction industry, we're everywhere. So it should be um, reflective of your community. Awesome. Aaron, do you have something? Uh, really just, you know, short and simple, uh, forever changing is what comes to mind. Um, you know, there, there's no uh, apples to apples comparison in regards to inclusion and, and what it looks like. Uh, it's forever changing. Um, our communities are changing. Our companies are changing. So that's one thing that comes to mind for me. Kathy. You know, for me, I think um, an inclusive um, culture is one where there are equal or close to equal um, parts, men, women, young people, older people, um, persons of color, um, people who are coming from different cultures across the, across the, the world to work with us and to, be, and to be a part of how we are growing and expanding um, as, as, as companies and as, as industries. Thank you. Thank you very much for all of that. Now, uh, so, so the big elephant in the room is that the traditional uh, the 
traditional holders of power in the construction industry are of a certain ethnicity, a certain gender. Now, my question to a couple of you, and I guess start with you, Precious, if that's okay, is what roles do you think that men can and should play in changing the industry and culture? So my advice to anyone has always been to educate yourself on the challenges. Um, there are great books, podcasts, um, and articles out there, and also different, um, you know, different organizations within um, your your school. And once you start your your job, there's um, employee resource groups to get educated about the challenges minorities and women face. Um, but in my experience, white men tend to feel uh, excluded from the diversity and inclusion conversation. Um, or they really don't know how to engage in the conversation. And the reality is, you know, they are more than welcome. That we need them. You know, we, we need you all to help um, be, advocate for minorities and women and to become allies. So really, um, you know, getting to know the challenges and getting to know individuals on a level where you feel comfortable advocating for them is, is very important to, to changing the culture. Thank you very much. I, I, I'm going to ask our token white men on the uh, panel here. I'm going to start with you, Aaron, and then you, Sam. Could you also answer that question? What do you feel that your roles as men and men in power in particular? Yeah, it's uh, you know, a great question. And I think some of the messaging that's resonated throughout this panel is just really you know, acknowledging um, what we're trying to face um, understanding the challenges that are um, before us and, and really, you know, not really trying to um, reflect on where we are today or how we got here, but rather what we're going to do going forward. Um, you know, I think that at the end of the day, in a leadership position within my company, um, it's, it's top of mind all the time. I mean, I will say um, we are doing our best to, you know, better represent the communities in which we work. And I find that I find that my customer, it represents that, you know, diversified background and workforce. So, you know, we're working to better do that. But also, I think, you know, uh, making sure that the right opportunities are available to everyone, especially for advancement. Um, I will say that uh, a lot of the activities and actions uh, throughout the summer, with the uh, BLM movement and whatnot, there was a lot of pressure on our leadership group to make an announcement or to reach out and to kind of reconfirm our stance on it. And it was something that as a company, you know, we, we challenged ourselves to reflect, you know, are we in a position to really speak to this? Are we in a position to reflect on it uh, confidently in terms of what we're doing? Um, so it, it's something that, you know, we're faced with every day, not only internally to the company, but, you know, as a, as a country, as a nation, as a, you know, across the world. Um, so it's, it's very real. And, um, you know, we, we have every responsibility to, uh, to address it and consider it. And, and Sam, I know that at Clark Construction, you're spearheading a number of initiatives there that you've met with a lot of success. What role can and should white men play in this conversation? Well, Precious hit on it, the nail on the head. Um, White guys are afraid to talk about it. They're afraid of being accused. I mean, they're, they're not knowledgeable about it most of the time. Uh, most of us don't feel like we're racist or sexist and we don't really realize the culture that, that we're in and it's hard, it's hard to identify it. So, you know, it really starts with having top leadership uh, passionate about the subject and comfortable talking about it. Um, 
you know, learning, being, uh, uh, being open and caring about other people. Um, we send all of our senior executives to a, 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 the White Man's Caucus, which is a kind of a funny name, um, but it's, uh, it's put on by an organization called White Men as Full Diversity Partners. And it's three and a half days of pretty intense training, uh, the awareness of our culture, and, uh, and then how that affects other people. It's really amazing. And uh, uh, it's helped me to uh, support women and, and people of color in our business and also talk to other white guys. Part of the problem, the reason that that organization exists is because white men don't talk about race and gender. It's left to women and, and people of color and it's very frustrating. And now I can appreciate how frustrating that is for you all because when I talk to other white men, it's, it's very difficult to get through to people and it's really because of the subconscious bias. They don't see it. It's not because they don't care, but that's the way we show up. Thank you. Um, so, so we roll into this, this final conversation, this final question here. What is something that is tangible? What is something that's a takeaway from this that every single person can walk away from this conversation and maybe engage in so that they can be part of creating a more inclusive environment and encourage others to be that catalyst for change? Because clearly, if you're not changing, if you're not progressing, you're, you're going to be left behind at some point. So is there something tangible that, that each of you think you could advise people to do? Let me start with you, Grace. Well, I think uh, it always starts with a conversation, just like this one. So um, I know if I talk to people in the field, um, let them see what the issues are, uh, how we can address them and, and make, that, uh, make those changes there. Do a lot of reflective journaling um, to make sure that I'm still doing what I set out to do. Uh, it starts with that too. And then talking with uh, people in leadership positions to say, hey, maybe you should take a chance on, you know, this person or that person, because a lot of times, you know, especially women will step back, you know, step back and feel like, oh, no, I can't do that. I can't take on that leadership role. I can't be that foreman on the job. I can't be that team lead, whatever it needs to be. But if they're asked um, and say, hey, I got your back, then they're more likely to step forward and take on that. And it's just like a lot of us women that are in the field, uh, we're moms. So we can pretty much handle a lot of things and tell others what to do, not a problem. So I think it starts with that conversation. Just so if you allow, so if you'll allow me to paraphrase, paraphrase, you're talking about advocating and amplifying. Absolutely. How about you, Kathy? Yeah, I think from a you know from a perspective of a you know manager or leader, we need to um, to really consider those um, those subconscious biases that we have and and be educated on how to work with those and break those barriers down but so we need to really be intentional and 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 from a company standpoint we need to review our policies and see what they say um, take a look at our work expectations um, maybe put in place, some flexible scheduling, look at our career ladder policies that we have in place and make certain that everyone has the same opportunities, those equitable opportunities to 
advance if they want to advance um, instead of someone making an assumption that because you're a woman or because you're a minority or because you have come from a different country, English is not your first language, um, that maybe you're not the right fit. Um, we, need to, we need to really look at everyone to see who's gonna be able to lead the company and advance the company. So would I, would I be correct in saying that your one takeaway uh, amongst all the others could be self-reflection and uh, an understanding of unconscious bias? Yes, yes, for sure. Okay, awesome. Uh, Precious, do you have a takeaway? Or did I already come to you? I, I might've, did I? Not, not for this one. Okay. <laughs> um, but I'll be quick. So I, I, I agree with Kathy, unconscious bias training is something that we're really pushing inter internally. We've already um, uh, conducted the training with our leadership and now we're working on pushing that throughout the company. Um, but something that, that the students can do and we all can do is really to you know erase what we hear in the media <clears throat> about minorities and, and women and really just challenge ourselves to, um, to, you know, in order for us to be more accepting of others, we have to really believe that, that these individuals or individuals are worthy to be accepted. And that starts with exposure. So exposing yourselves to different ethnicities and genders and really being able to create your own narrative versus what you hear in the media. I think that that's a really big step in the right direction. That's, that's phenomenal. Thank you very much. Erin? Take yourself off mute, buddy. Apologies. Hard act <laughs> to follow. Um, you know, a, a lot of really good points. You know, I, I will say, you know, just being here today um, is a lot. And I, I, I found that, you know, diversity of thought and the comments of the other panelists that I've heard from today uh, is one thing that I'm going to take away from this. But um, I, I think really just at the end of the day, uh, it's the little things uh, that go a long way. So whether it be, you know, how go about your daily life professionally or as a student, um, how you interact and engage with those around you and really understand that we're all individuals, we're, we're people. And I will say this as a, a young individual potentially entering the career, your career, you will go farther with how you interact and work with people and teams than you will by knowing how to pour concrete or wreck steel. I promise you that. So if there's one thing to take away in context of everything, just make sure that um, you know you have a good understanding, self-awareness, and ability to uh, work through some of those things. Thank you, Aaron and Sam. If you, um, if, if the leader of your organization isn't um, educated and passionate about this, it makes it very difficult. And, and just doing some awareness and bias awareness training doesn't impact white guys the way we'd like it to. For me, when I went to the caucus, uh, I had a watershed moment when we talked about white male culture. So now I can see the things I used to see through this filter. Now I know that filter's there and I can pay attention to it. Um, so one, I would say, send your CEO to the caucus and uh, hopefully they'll come back from it fired up and sending more of your people to it. It's an incredible experience. It, it enriches, it's enriched my life and I know it has uh, others that I've sent to it. 
Um, to me, that's, that's the catalyst. That's the key. Um, and it, it's not, if we do three or four hours of bias training, we go, you know what, I'm not biased. I didn't, you know, that was for other people, not for me. But um, uh, when you can see the world through that filter, you realize it's there, it has a huge impact. It's awesome. Now, before we get into the questions, there's, uh, and we will go through them a little bit. The one thing that um, I don't think we touched on uh, as much as I, I'd like, it needs to make an impression. And although, and Sam, you said it correctly in the first place because it's the right thing to do. The, the fact is that there are a lot of people out there for whom that doesn't necessarily make an impact. And that's when we have to double back and look at the data. And the data supports, clearly supports that a, an inclusive um, environment, a company that engages that way actually has uh, a more profitable bottom line. And why is that important? because when you have a population maybe that's resistant, resistant to uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, all of that, what they're not resistant to is making more money. Yeah. So I, I hate to be that base, basic about it, but sometimes that's your foot in the door. So, so be open, be, have these conversations. 